Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. We also want to let you know that you can join us live every Sunday in person at 9 or 11 a.m. or stream our 11 a.m. service live every week on Facebook and on YouTube. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. Last week, we started a quick series on Redefined, and the end result of that was really just to challenge you as individuals with what does a personal win look like for you. And so what I asked you to do is just kind of take the time to think through um, some various steps to say, what does this look like for me uh, to be able to win and am I winning, and how do I make adjustments to get back to that? So I told you last week that I was going to flip that, and that this weekend I was going to talk about the church specifically, and I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So as we look to redefine, and whether we talk about um, how tough it is to come out of a pandemic, or the tension of culture, or um, the uh, a culture of, of being offended, whatever it is that you want to label that is like a pressure cooker right now for you personally, um, I want to talk about how the church applies to that and what we can do in a very tumultuous time and what I feel like we are called to, to, to do. So um, I'm going to ask you this morning to just uh, follow me into a few uh, places of Scripture And I want to begin with a couple of verses. The first one is in Philippians chapter 2. And Philippians is written specifically to the church at Philippi. It is a challenge. Um, It is one where Paul is saying, hey, I've got uh, something to talk to you about because I need you to be careful about this specific area. And he says in chapter 2 verse 12, He says, I want you to continue to work out your salvation, all right? And I think that this is a good place for us to start as we talk about redefining what to do in this particular season of our world, is that as believers, we adhere to this same challenge, that we continue to work out our salvation. We continue the process. We continue. We continue. We continue. We stay the course. We we keep our trajectory strong. And then we've often looked at this word fear and trembling and we've almost miscommunicated it because this does not mean anxiety. It doesn't mean a fear. It doesn't mean a phobia uh, like Oh, salvation is something that I've got to strive at. No, this is a is a, is a godly fear. It's a it's a sacredness. Okay, it's saying you've got to work out your salvation to continue to work it out and make it something in your life that is holy, 
something in your life that has value and meaning, that it's, that it's sacred, that it's set apart for you. And so as you think about this verse and us continuing to fight for, for what is right, to follow Christ, to, to be an effective church, that we continue in this work of working out our salvation. So Jesus does the work in you, and then once it's in you, you work it out, okay? You make it strong. You make it grow. So then 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So not only that we continue to work out salvation, but we're growing in our knowledge of Jesus. This is part of our task as a church to know more, to know more about Christ, to stay the course, to keep doing the right things. And so I want to use a story in 2 Kings that I've used many, many times and preached from many, many angles and this story is about a group of prophets who live together and they have come to this decision place. And I'm not even going to finish this text. It is so rich and great. I just love everything about it. But I'm going to talk about the front part of it. And they've got this group of prophets and they're very close and they're very powerful. They are, are having to ask themselves a very tough question and that question is this, what now? What do we do? Here we are together in unity, and I don't know what's next. I think right now this morning there's a lot of pastors and a lot of churches that are feeling the same thing. Like, here we are, we're together, but what's next? Like, how do we bounce from the year we've had in, within the culture that we now experience? What are we supposed to do with all this? What's next? And this particular group in Kings has hit a wall. It's a place they've never been before. It's foreign to them. They're questioning, is there more or are our best days behind us? What do we do? And this is the situation that I want to dive into this morning with you. And there are times in every faith community, I think, when comfort or complacency or chaos robs the church of vision and momentum. I've felt it many times as a pastor. You have people who are suddenly complacent. You have people who are suddenly chaotic. You have people who are suddenly comfortable. And now it's very tough to move the church ahead as a step or as one group just because of the many, many, many places that we're all in as in individuals. This is where this group of prophets were. Now, I want to give you two quick examples before I read this text to you about the danger of being stale and stagnant, okay? Scripture is chocked full of these examples, but I'm just going to give, give you two of them. The children of Israel got to Sinai, and something happened there. We don't know exactly why they were emotionally drawn to it. It may have been because that's where God met, met Moses, but they're encamped around Sinai, and suddenly they don't want to go anywhere. And they are contemplating, hey, why can't we just, I mean, I'm tired of walking in a circle. Why can't we just stay here? Um, I mean, something sacred happened on, on this mountain. God came and talked to you. Why don't we stay here? And so Exodus 32 and 33 
Moses has this conversation with God, and he prays this prayer, and he's like, basically, God, listen, if you're not going with us, then leave us here, because the people seem comfortable here, they seem good here, but if you'll go ahead of us, then I'm going to come with you. But these people wanted to stay, and we know the full story. In hindsight, they ended up just walking in circles until death got them. Another big part of standing still within Scripture is an old story that's even pre-Abraham. It's Abraham's father, Terah, T-E-R-A-H. He's a, he's a mysterious character. We don't know much about him, but we have enough to talk about it. And Scripture alludes that really the story of getting Abraham into Canaan and starting this process of a promised land started with Terah. And so Terah gets his family up, he packs them up, and they start to move. And something strange happens in this story, and it's simply this. He has a son named Haran, and Haran dies. And along their, their, their journey, they reach a city called Haran. Spelt differently, but it's still the same, same name. And so they get to this city called Haran, and Terah stops. They go no further. And Scripture says that Terah got to Haran, and he lived there, and he died in Haran. And I don't know if there's this connection. I like to think there's this connection here because it, it preaches so well. That he was heartbroken over his son. He gets to the city. It's named his son there. And he dies. Somehow he gets stuck there. I, I can't move past Heron. I can't get through Heron. And he stays there and he, and, he, and he dies. And I think this could be the peril of every single church anywhere in the world is to reach a place where they are comfortable or complacent or hurt or tired or spent, whatever you want to throw in there to say, I think we're good where we are. And they end up having the story that Tara had, they stay there, and they die. And what I don't want that to be is ever our story. And I never want it to be the story of any church in this city or any church that's preaching the gospel. That they may live and excel and accomplish the vision that God has given them. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, we see this story of these prophets, okay? And they basically, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read it to you for time's sake, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the flyby. They come to the prophet and they say, hey, we, we've, we've outgrown this place and we got to build. And so they said, let us go to the Jordan. We'll all pitch in. We'll build us a new place, and we'll have new vision and new memories, and we'll do more great things, but where we're at right now is no longer working. And you, you know the story. They all get down there, and they start to, to build, and they're all chopping down trees, and one guy, his axe flies off the handle, flies into the water, and he panics because the axe is borrowed. He's like, this, this thing isn't even mine, and it falls in. 
And I don't, I don't want to finish the rest of that story because right there is enough. That's the sweet spot for where we are this morning. So I want to break down this text just a tad. And I want to tell you that many of us in this room have felt like, have felt like over the past year to a year and, and almost a year and a half that you've taken a step back. Like things have been more difficult. They've been more challenging. They've been more unsure. Churches everywhere have felt this. Every church in our city today has felt like they have taken a step back. They feel like, where's everybody at? Uh, what's happened? How do we lead ourselves out of this? They've taken a step back. And there's been some struggle there. Like, loss for words, loss for vision. Prayer has amped up, like, God, you're going to have to speak and tell us what, what you want next. Everyone's trying to redefine what they're supposed to be doing with the way people feel right now. And so I don't know if you have ever felt behind in anything. I'm assuming you have. It's not a good feeling. Maybe you feel behind in your in your relationships, you feel behind in your career. It's like you're, you're mid-40s and you think, you know, I really thought I'd be further along than this. I thought when I got here, I'd, I'd, I'd be doing, or may, maybe it's you're behind in your re, re, retirement. Life happened. Maybe you had to spend some of it. Maybe you didn't start early enough. And so now you're like, I'm kind of behind. And it's not a fun feeling to think about. You're thinking, I got... 20 years, 10 years, 5 years left until I kind of want to land somewhere and I'm not, even, I'm not even close. And so you feel behind. Maybe you feel behind spiritually. So you've given up some. How that would equate here is maybe you've stopped attending. Maybe you've stopped serving. Maybe you've stopped Fueling vision monetarily. Maybe, you know, once a week turned into once every other week, turned into once a month, turned into once every two months, and the pattern continues to grow for you because you feel like you've, you've taken a step back. Well, let me give you a spiritual principle here, and it's this. Sometimes you have to get behind in order to go beyond now, the imagery I want to give you here is of a bow and arrow. Sometimes the arrow, or all of the time, the arrow has to have resistance. It's got to be pulled back and trajectory given so that once it's released, the arrow can move forward. Without that backward motion, there's never a forward motion. Oftentimes, spiritually, this happens. We know all through the Old Testament, those rich, deep stories, they are full of the implication of people not being in the right spot, needing a second chance, failing at something, and they've taken a step back only to discover that it was always part of God's plan in order to launch them further than they've ever thought that they, they could go. That's what I'm believing for the postmodern church. That somehow, in some way, God is going to use what's happened the past year, year and a half to launch the church into something that is greater and fuller and deeper and richer than it's ever seen before. 
to get us into a new place. And so, this means that individuals and organizations and churches can rethink their present position and celebrate that taking one step back can spiritually equate to many steps forward. The second thing is this. Roots before fruits. A couple of years ago, I I shared this story with you right after it happened. There was a, those big sequoias, the kind you like drive your car through. And this, this particular tree was in Yosemite National Park, and it was 227 feet tall, okay? This thing was 3,000 years old. To give you perspective of that, this tree was growing when King David was king. This tree was growing when the Egyptians processed papyrus to use as paper. That's when this tree was growing. It, so it, it, it reaches 200 plus feet and becomes this monument that people are going to frequently to see, to take pictures of, to experience, to drive their car through it. And a few years ago, this 200-plus feet tree suddenly, overnight, falls. One piece just falls over. Everyone is shocked, perplexed. Scientists come from all over, scratching their heads. They're out there to do their thing. And they come to one common conclusion that came to them pretty easy. And that was this. The reason the tree fell was foot traffic. That the roots as they came off of that tree were wide, but they weren't significantly deep to accommodate its height. But over the years, even the topsoil that protected its roots got thinner and thinner and thinner until the crowds and the cars and the traffic began to step immediately upon the top of the roots, damaging those roots, and then it lost its nutrients and it lost its strength, and overnight it crashed to to the, the ground. And they were like, how did this happen? And if I were to compare this spiritually, I would say, say, say this, that everyone loves the fruit part, right? Like we, we love the harvest time. We love seeing the fruit of our labor, the fruit of time spent, the fruit of a project. We love the outcome. We love that ta-da moment. We love the re- reveal. We love those things. And they are sweet. And they are times to clap our hands and celebrate. But if in all of our looking, we're looking upward and never paying attention to what's going on at the root level, then something could be happening that is thinning and thinning and thinning and wearing away at what is supporting the whole thing. Now, if I were going to define this and build this metaphor out, this is what I, I, I would say. The roots 
or the foot traffic for every person in this room are common things. It's the daily grind. It's the soccer practice. It's the grocery list. It's the yards to be mowed. It's the honeydews. It's the nine to five. It's all of the things that come together to make a daily grind. And grinding and grinding and grinding it out every day If you're not watching the roots in your life, the 200 plus foot structure that's taken you years to build, whether it's your family, your career, your reputation, whatever it is, can fall to the ground in a night because we've not protected the roots. The church has to protect the root system, the core. The values. We've got to stick up for the word. We've got to be that entity in this world who's got an answer. Who says, hey, this is still a place where marriages can come and be restored. This is a place where teens and young adults can find identity. We've got to be a place where we're not confused. A place where there's strength and depth and richness flowing from the bottom up. So be careful, because all of us in this room comprise the local church. And when your roots are weak, our roots are weak. If you get weaker, our church gets weaker. So take a look at your root system. Take a look at the traffic. Take a look at the daily grind, at the pressure cooker of culture, at how COVID has retrained your mind to what it means to be collectively together and guard that stuff. Make sure that you're seeing clearly through the Spirit. Your root system has to have a lot of priority. Now listen, when it comes to the church, There's a big difference between potential and productivity, okay? Big difference. How many of you have have ever known somebody and you look at them and you go, man, they got a lot of potential? You might see, see your kids that way. Man, you got a lot of potential. But productivity is something different. Some of you are working jobs right now and you took it because you saw potential. Some of you married somebody because you said, they they got potential. All kinds of things. We love it. It's one of our favorite things. It's also what makes us one of the most intelligent beings ever is because we with foresight can see it. Go, man, I, I got vision for you. Like, I know what you are capable of. And sometimes we have to call that out in each each other. Bring it out. You can do this. You're better than that. You're smarter than that. We call it out. There's a big difference between potential and productivity. The church is loaded with potential. But we have to be able to move it from having just this box of what could be and flesh it out and let it be productive. Let it really reach a community. Let it it really be a place that is transformational. 
that it's more than just a gathering or a building, but what's happening in it is powerful. That's moving from potential to productivity. I had neck surgery in 2014, and we were, my, my surgeon was really young, and he was, he was humorous, and we were trying to cut up too, and that morning, he came in to see me, and he was like, hey, today's the day. You know, we're going to do this. He said, I'm about to go in here and operate on, on, a, uh, on a little girl, and when I'm done with her, I'm going to come in here and grab you, and you'll be asleep. And so I hope I am, I and mean, I hope y'all aren't leaving me awake for this one. And I said, hey, have, have you ever done this surgery before? He said, I have not, but I, I did watch some YouTube videos last night. I'm feeling pretty confident. We were just bantering back and forth, kidding around. And we know you would never go to surgery with somebody who just watched a video. Ever. You'd never let let your kid drive if they said, yeah, I've watched videos. I think I got it. You'd never do it. There's a million examples of that. How we say, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it but I've never done it because we understand the big difference between someone or something having potential and them actually being able to be productive. I don't want us to ever look at our church and just see it through a lens of what it might could be. I don't want you to look at our families in this church and see what might be if they would just really let God take control of all of it. It's very discouraging to me as as a pastor, looking through a pastoral lens at our world and our culture because there's so much giftedness and so much talent. I've got a a 15-year-old girl, and I look at, at her, her potential, her friend group, and I go, man, they, that, that group could really do something amazing. And then I look at the world around them and the pressure and things that are being said and things that are, that are being offensive and, and just, just the huge paradigm shifts that are taking place just about on every topic. And I don't want to just constantly be the person who's looking at the world and saying, this is what it could be like. And the only entity, and yes, I'm biased, but the only entity who I believe can impact and change the world is the local church. I believe we have to be a place of a surety and a place of power and a place of direction. And in all of our redefining, we have to come back to where we believe this. Christ gave his life for the church because he's got a plan. So let me end with this. There's always going to be some challenge, right? I told the 9 o'clock service when, when we hit January of 2020, I was so excited, y'all. It, we, we were in the sweet spot. We started the year, we'd come off candlelight. Everybody was kind of doing that thing that, that they do in January where they're like, hey, we should probably get back in church. It's, it's a new year, new us. Let, let's go 
Let, let, let's, let's make a habit of this. Let's get in. So numbers were up. Giving was up. Serving was up. All the value, all the things that we do to push to make community happen were up. We had just trained the largest group of life group leaders we'd ever had in seven years. And two months later, we were online only. I mean, you guys know what happened. We came back Father's Day. Whether you agree to that or not, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. I'm just telling you history. Very thin, very little involvement. And I was put out. Upset. Because I saw the potential for that year for us to do new things and big things, extraordinary things, to take a step forward into the community more than we ever have before, to be more transformational than we ever had before. But something happened that we couldn't control, didn't want to happen, etc., etc. Challenges are going to happen in every single church. They're going to happen everywhere. They're going to happen in your life. They're going to happen in your marriage. They're going to happen to you, to your kids. The challenges are going to be there. But we have to determine in ourselves that we're going to finish well. In Matthew 24, and then I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is having this discussion with his disciples they're on the Mount of Olives, and they're looking at the Temple Mount. And they're basically bragging on the architecture of the, uh, the uh, temple. And Jesus, through foresight, not and this isn't prophetic, he's talking this out because he's the Son of God and he's seen it as deity. But he says to them, every bit of that's going to be destroyed. It'll be a pile of rocks, he says. And it bothers them. Because this is like, they're monumental peace for the city, right? So they go to him and they said, Lord, what are you talking about? And he begins to expound to them one of the verses that we've talked about for years and years and years and years. He says to them, listen, there's going to be wars and rumors of war and there's going to be king against king and, and people are going to end up hating each other and all the things that pretty much every generation experiences and says, hey, this is when Jesus is coming. But he tells them, that's not going to be the end. One version even says, that's routine history. This happens anytime you put people together. There's wars and people want, want more and they fight and they bicker and they hate each other. And that's going to happen because that's what people do. But then he says, when the kingdom of God gets shared, when this kingdom gets preached, then the end will come. And he makes this great statement. This is how I'm going to end today. He says, those that endure till the end will be saved. And that word saved there is not talking about salvation. Okay, we, that's, that's a different conversation. What he's talking about is a strength. Those that endure to the end are going to finish this thing well. They're going to cross this line. They're going to make it. 
They're going to make it still with a great story. They're going to make it still with a testimony. They're still going to, they're, they're, they're going to make it through this very, very difficult time. They aren't going to stop in Heron. They aren't going to camp in Sinai. They aren't going to, going, to, going to run away from what's on their life. They're going to endure. And I think as we redefine this season, this next phase as we're looking at trying to answer the same question these Old Testament prophets of what's next? Endurance has to be part of that recipe. The church has to endure. You have to endure. You've got to watch your roots. You've got to protect your life. You've got to guard your faith. You can't believe just everything you hear. You can't follow your emotions. You can't follow your fears and phobias about culture. You got to have something in here that is so grounded that you can endure to the end. That you can make it to the end. And so... Maybe you're here today and you're that, you're that person like, Kevin, listen, this is the language that you, you use, man. You're talking about forward motion and you're talking about transformation. You're talking about being a Can we just take a break for a minute? And it's been a terrible year. Can we just catch our breath? Can we, can we just do this? I'm all about resting in God. I'm not talking about striving. What I'm talking about is not giving up. I'm talking about not, not quitting. I'm talking about not being complacent. I'm not talking about rest. You need rest. What I'm talking about is battling complacency. I'm talking about where your relationship with God and, and church and the things that you valued that were, that were here that have now come all the way down to here. If you go in, I, I, gotta, I gotta watch this root, these roots i got to guard this thing. Because overnight, what I thought was tall and strong just fall over. i got to guard this.